And welcome to another episode of Dio Talk. I'm Dio. Let's talk. Uh, today I'm joined by uh, an author. She has the number one bestseller on Amazon right now. Ladies and gentlemen, give a warm welcome to Diana Lockett. Welcome to the show. Thank you so very much. Thank you for having me here. It's so lovely to meet you and to be in the presence of you and your audience. Thank you. Likewise, likewise. It's an honor to have you. Um, so let's jump right into it. Uh, you have this amazing book that is the uh, Amazon number one bestseller, uh, The Call to Freedom. Can we can we get a little glimpse on, on what inspired you to to write such a motivational uh, motivational book? Yeah, thank you for that question. So this book just launched this past weekend. So it's uh, five days ago, wow. four days ago. It's called wow. The Call to Freedom, Heal Your Pain, Awaken Your Loving Presence. And it's been a seven-year journey of writing this book. Now, in the meantime, I wrote for a compilation series, five bestsellers, that was just one chapter at a time. And each chapter would take me 20 to 30 minutes. And then I was done. It was easy. But this book took me seven years. And the reason it took me seven years, I know now, I kept saying, why aren't I writing? I don't feel like writing. I don't know what to write. And then all of a sudden, I realized when I was done, I had to live the last three years to be able to complete this book, because the last four chapters are about the last three years. And I needed to live that experience to be able to write that experience to bring a completion to the book, which comes full circle from an experience of day one, a little girl who was in an environment with neglect and abuse eventually sexual abuse, um, acrimonious divorces, bankruptcy, like I've had all the big traumas in my life. And yet, my life journey has taken me to the place of being able to meet all of life with love and presence. And I had to live the last three years to really fully understand that, reconcile it, make it come to life with my language, and then put it in the book to print it. Wow. Wow. So essentially this book is it's it's almost like an autobiography on yourself. Yeah, so I call it a memoir mm-hmm. of my life, but it truly is a life coaching, spiritual coaching, personal development book that's just disguised as my life. So anyone who picks it up, in fact, many people who've picked it up already, the reviews have just overwhelmed me with so much gratitude. They're saying, just like me. And I really believe in a just like me movement. When we can start to relate to other people and realize that one, pain is universal. And then there's universal ways that we can all heal. And we all have pain and we all have healing to do. When we can recognize that and put it in a way that's meaningful, where the reader can relate to it. What I say is my book then becomes medicine for the reader. And so it is my memoir. It is the things that have happened to me. But it's also the things that have happened through me and the learnings that I've been able to step into as a spiritual coach, a conscious communication leader. I've been a speech language pathologist for 35 years. I have been a a speaker, like a public speaker. I've got lots of different hats. But everything that I do comes through the lens of what I call consciousness. And we have a radical responsibility. Should we accept the invitation? to step into consciousness. And today, more than ever, we need to do that because the planet needs it. That's how we heal fractures. That's how we heal pain. That's how we bring more unification in our planet and on our planet. 
So this book is about me, but it's not about me. It's just my story, but it could be anybody's story. Yes, I'm into that. Uh, I I can I can just hearing you speak, I can I can feel it took a lot of uh things that you had to overcome just just to write, you know, because when you're in that writing process, right, it's like you have to digest your thoughts and and, and gather the, the the strength to be able to write it down detail by detail. So you're like almost reliving it numerous of times yeah that's exactly true and what i say is it's not even so much digesting my thoughts because i know my story i can talk about my story it's digesting the pain that's stored in my body so trauma and pain live in the body and it's often unprocessed and undigested and until we can process and digest it we don't fully heal it and so we can talk about it this is why i'm not i i believe there's a place for talk therapy But I don't personally do talk therapy with my clients. And I'm also not a therapist. I'm a coach. I do embodiment practices, which let's just go in the body and see what's present right now that's calling your attention. And when you bring loving presence to that, all of a sudden, what's unhealed, undigested, unprocessed comes to the surface. And that's what needs to heal. So I did go to therapy when I was I was I, I pretty well walked sleepwalked for 32 years. And then when my daughter was born, like, and I had a good life, like I had a pretty successful life. I was very successful speech language pathologist, had a beautiful home, lived in Toronto, took two vacations a year, had a BMW, like I had a good life. And then I had my daughter and something inside me started to like rumble. It's like, there's something here that needs to be experienced. And I didn't understand it, but I knew enough to listen to it. So I call it the call, hence the call to freedom. I listened to that call and I started doing meditation and I hated meditation. I would get so nauseous when I would meditate. It was my body. All of a sudden I would slow down. I would stop to listen to my body, which is what meditation let me do. Slow down my mind, listen to my body, feel without having to go do something, which is what we do to distract and not feel. And all of a sudden, I would feel super nauseous. And I thought I was doing something wrong. I couldn't stop my thoughts. I thought I was doing something wrong. Today, I know that we use busyness and doing to avoid feeling. It becomes a strategy to avoid feeling. And so, yeah. So when I got into meditation, I started to feel more. And then I started feeling like, oh, my gosh, there's a lot messed up in me. Like, I just assumed every child grew up with the home that I did with so much abuse and neglect. I thought that was normal. And I didn't realize the impact it was having on my relationships at the time, all of my relationships. So I started doing meditation, became a Reiki practitioner, started doing Reiki. I found an energy healer. I went to him. It's in my book on chapter three. And I said, Darren... I'm off work for 10 weeks because I worked in education. I had the summers off. I need to heal whatever this stuff is that's like sitting under me. I need to heal it. And I'm giving you the privilege of healing me. In 10 weeks, you get to heal me, which is hilarious because today I know all healing has its time and it's not his responsibility. It's my responsibility. So the book really goes through my journey for 25 years of personal development, spiritual growth business development, all the pieces of my life that I worked through became certified to do, do with my clients now, do with my leaders now when I do leadership coaching, 
to be able to come to the point where I could bring loving presence to all of the experiences that I had, not that I would ever want them on anybody else, right? Because on a human level, some of what I went through is not comprehensible. It's not fair. It's not okay. And yet I can see how everything I went through was a stepping stone for where I am today, which is living in these beautiful mountains with that beautiful picture that you see on my cover in my my backyard. And, um, and I get to really um, help people to wake up in their lives. That's, that's, that's beautiful. It's almost like uh, this book was therapy for you and can be therapy for others. Just, you know, it doesn't have to be similar story, but like you said, everyone goes through certain traumas it's like we're 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 so different but yet so the same at the same time right it's so true you know we all have pain and we all have traumas and what i love about the conversations that are happening in the world today through people like you is we're starting to have conversations where we normalize talking about it trauma is not normal but talking about it is normal And we need to do that to be able to bring it out of our bodies. Otherwise, we store it down, we get busy, we numb out, we game, we drink, we do drugs, we do online shopping, whatever we do, we work to not feel. So every part of the book, every step of the book, in each chapter, I have something called realignment steps, because my program is called Realign to Thrive, my coaching program. So I have realignment steps, which is, here's what I did, and here's what you can do. And so I take the reader step by step through their own journey of healing. It is not a replacement for therapy by any means, but it's a really good place to start. And the reviews, I have to say, have been incredibly overwhelming. I woke up Sunday morning. We launched Saturday. I woke up Sunday morning, international bestseller in these categories. Wow. Inner child, spiritual growth and self-help, parenting and emotions, First, number one bestseller and number two in personal transformation. And I just burst into tears because I had to live through this to write this. And it was a moment of it was worth it. It was worth it. And it was hard, but it was worth it. So the reviews started coming in. I'm reading them. I'm bawling my eyes out. I'm hearing people say everybody must read this book. The LA Tribune did a review. They said, must read, highly acclaimed. Like, and I, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. expecting this. I just thought I was going to put a book out. I knew I needed to write it and we'll see what happens. I had no expectations. And so it's been really quite a delight to um, kind of be in the presence of this book where it has almost like its own energy and entity. And then I'll pause for a moment to let you ask questions. But then there's a, a tragedy that happened as well that I'll share in a moment. Wow. Um, how do I ask this, right? Did you, while you're, you're, it took you, you're saying it took seven years writing this, right? But you, you, you lived the last three while, you know, collect, recollecting your thoughts, you know, writing in detail. Did we, did you have anybody there to support you? Because this is, you know, Reliving, like I and I emphasize this because when you when you're putting this work of art of your life, that is important uh, because it's your story. But is it also important that because all others can relate? Um, did you have somebody there you can count on emotionally? Because I I, I just it's difficult 
when you come to terms with things uh, and things you have accepted that happened in the past, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, we live in, in a generation now that nobody really wants to relive it the past. They just want to keep moving forward. And, you know, at some point, you know, those traumas are like bubbling inside of us and it's just going to burst. Yeah. And I always tell people, you don't have to go looking for the past. If you're just present in this moment, if you get still enough and quiet enough, even for just a few minutes to feel what's here now, even if you try to access your joy in this moment, all of a sudden what's blocking you is going to come to the surface, which is often like limiting beliefs. Like who, who do you think you are? And why do you think you deserve this? And Who's going to love you? And who's like all those limiting beliefs that we grew up with? The book is rooted in this idea that we are born with a blank menu. And the day we're born, this is one of my favorite teachers, Dr. Wayne Dyer says this, the day we were born, our parents looked up and said, thank you, God, we'll take it from here. And when we weren't looking, when we weren't looking, we were imprinted with all of the generational beliefs, trauma and stress that others before us have passed on. Others being our parents, our grandparents, their grandparents, their grandparents for thousands of years. And so what happened to me at 32 was I had this knock, this call to say, it's time to look at your menu. Uh Your menu is not your menu. Your menu is somebody else's menu. You have these rules and these beliefs that you've been following that aren't necessarily yours. And there's a lot of undigested tension and stress that's in invisible ink in your menu. And it's time to create visibility with that ink so that you can process and digest that because you're carrying stress that you're being me stress. That's not even mine. My mother had so much stress in her life. Her mother had so much stress in her life. So we know generational trauma is inherited. So in back to your question, was there anyone supporting me? Yes and no. Um, I'll give you the, um, the yes first. I had a couple of coaches on speed dial where I would literally say to them and skillful people from all over the world. And I would say, I need someone right now to hold. Now, this is three years. The last three years, we've been in full shutdown in Ontario. I'm now in British Columbia, but in Ontario, schools shut down, work shut down. Nobody saw anybody for 13 to 16 months. So I was alone processing a lot of this because right as COVID started in March 2020, my husband left our home and never came back. I'm sorry. My father, my father passed away. My cat died. And my daughter, who was my only support system because she was 22, she was an adult. She moved across Canada and came to this community that I'm living now. She, she came here first, which with my support and encouragement. All of a sudden, I found myself alone in a home that was like a little country cottagey home with a 13-year-old. And trying to navigate a global pandemic with all the concerns and fears that everybody else had, trying to navigate going to online learning, online working. I was doing yoga teacher trainings. I was doing speech pathology with two-year-old autistic kids. And I had to figure out how to do that online. I was doing coaching with my clients. Which, as a parent, my son's autistic. I, I totally commend you. I totally understand. And thank you for your efforts. Oh my goodness. It's my joy. It's I've worked 25 of my 35 years. I've worked as a consultant for augmentative communication for nonverbal children. And now one of the things that COVID allowed me to do is figure out how do I serve kids remotely? And because of it, 
I could now serve kids in Africa in orphanages who are nonverbal and would never have any communication systems. Wow, and amazing. I can't believe that. So there's some wow. beautiful things that have come from it. So I was alone. I didn't have any physical support. Like I could not project my needs onto my 13 year old. That was not, I knew that was not okay. So I had to deal with it myself. And so if I needed a hug, I gave myself a hug. Self-love. Self-love, self-parenting. So whatever I was going through, and a lot, I had a lot come up. Like when all these losses happened in my life, it opened up a portal of immense grief through my body. And it's chapter nine of my book where I, it's called There's Gold in the Grief. And how can I access that gold? I need to feel it. Again, remember, I have to feel it to heal it. And so I deepened my relationship with my grief. I actually befriended my grief and every day woke up and put it in my hand and said, what do you need today, grief? I'm here for you. I'm not here for you all day because I have to parent and I have to work, but I'm here for you for what? Maybe an hour, maybe two hours. What do you need? And I'd go in my office, I'd close my door and I would do that. Sometimes it was dancing slow. Sometimes it was stomping my feet. Sometimes it was hitting a pillow. Sometimes it was crying my eyes out. Sometimes it was doing yoga. It was whatever it needed. Sometimes it was literally sitting on the floor and rocking. And then if there are days where I felt like I wasn't coming out of that, like I couldn't, the time had come and I wasn't ready to move on with my day, but I needed to, that's when I would call one of my coaches and say, I need a lifeline right now. I'm stuck. I'm stuck and I can't quite move forward. And so having someone just process it with me and witness it with me immediately transitioned. And that's what I do with my clients is I help to hold the space with loving presence and awareness to whatever they're going through so that they can get through it in a gentle, I don't want to say quicker way, but it is quicker. Like it's when someone is witnessing you in whatever you're going through without having to fix it. My daughter was with me for the first couple of months of the lockdown when I was starting to go through this. She never said, mom, what do you need? She just noticed I hadn't had any food all day and she just put food in front of me. She noticed when she came downstairs and my bedroom was in the basement, when she came down and saw me on the floor crying, she just sat with me. She didn't say it's going to be okay. What do you need, mom? She just sat with me. That's like ultimate, what we call holding space lovingly for someone knowing that there's nothing to fix because I wasn't broken. I was just, my heart just really hurt. Wow. So I had support, but I didn't have support. And so the benefit and the blessing of that is I learned how to support myself. And um, when I really needed someone, there was, there was someone I could call, but it was virtual. Well, I, I find that, I find that amazing to hear because you had to, first of all, you had to deal, deal with yourself right? You had a, it's like self-accountability. And what I admire and respect so much is that, how do I I put this, that you had to be alone. And that's something that a lot of us struggle on a daily basis. We don't know how to be alone. As soon as we, we, you know, we sense an inch of silence, it's like our, our world, you know, turns upside down. We don't have, we don't have to deal we don't know how to deal with ourselves. No, we're listening to podcasts, we're gaming, we're turning on TV, we're like constantly distracting so that yes. we don't have to be alone. This book could not have been birthed had I not been alone. The end of this book, the last, like the first few chapters of this book have been written for, written for seven years. 
it's the last four chapters that I, they just weren't coming to me. And I knew I couldn't force it. And then being alone is what gave me the tools to be able to write the end of this book. So I'm grateful for that time now. It was really hard at the time, especially going through a pandemic where nobody knew what was going to happen. Yes, yes. It was really hard. And yet it was what needed to be for me to birth this book. Wow. Mm-hmm. So so now that you're, you're done, it's written, <laughs> right? You you accomplish, first of all, you, you accomplish a, a a state of emotion that you conquered because you had to acknowledge it and accept it, right? And now it's done. It's published. How do you feel now? <sighs> like, and this is besides, right? This is besides, you know, the public and the giving, you know, your admiration as you deserve, throwing your flowers. This is now the work is done. Yeah. The job is done. How do you feel now? I'm going to tell you what happened in the last three weeks. So I can give you some context because my feelings are very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very tragic story. So I'm just giving you a warning. It's very tragic. The beautiful image that you see was taken by my son-in-law. He's a beautiful photographer. And then the entire, he, my graphic designer made the cover with that image and did a beautiful job. I love the book. It's so soft and it's so welcoming. It's like someone called it like a warm, cozy blanket. I love that. And a lot of it's the book designer, the way the typesetting that she chose inside, the way that she developed, like designed the inside. She did a beautiful job. She was a friend of mine. She's a coaching client of mine. I did business coaching with her and I've worked with her for two years in the book industry. And three weeks ago, I was doing the audible for my book, which by the way, did not turn out well. So I had to hire someone at the last minute. (laughs) This is my audio quality. I used an AI app and the audio quality was terrible. So um, side note, as I was doing my audible, I came across 17 additional errors for anyone who's written a book and anyone who's read a book. I'm going to ask you to be very, very um, forgiving because I my book went through six editing sessions and I read everything in between. Don't forget, I'm a speech language pathologist. Communication is my skill and gift. And there were still when I read the audible, I came across 17 errors which maybe is not a lot when you have a 50,000 word book. But to me, that was, there's no way I'm releasing this book with 17 errors. So I called my book designer. I said, can I send it back to you? She thought we were done. I said, can I send it back? Came across these errors. She said, no worries. Yes, of course. I'll get them done for you by the weekend. That That was on a Monday. By the weekend, I didn't hear from her. And I knew she was going to Montreal on the Wednesday. So Monday, I talked to her. Wednesday, she's going to Montreal. The weekend, she's going to send me the book. Didn't hear from her, started sending her messages. She didn't get back to me. I did what we often do when we don't know what's going on and we can't control life is I started creating stories. Oh my gosh, did I do something wrong? Is she mad at me? Is she okay? Is she overwhelmed? Did I give her too much work? On a Wednesday night, I sent her a text message. So I haven't heard from her now in nine days. Danya, tell me you're okay, please. I'm worried about you. Thursday morning at three in the morning, I get a call from one of my editors Donya perished in a fire in Montreal. Oh, no. And it had been a week earlier, but nobody knew because we just knew she wasn't responding to anything. She worked on her own independently. She wasn't um, attending meetings. And there was a big Airbnb fire that should never have happened. And she was one of the people that perished in the fire. She was at that point suspected in it, missing, and then eventually identified. 
And so the first thing I thought, well, first of all, like immense grief. And the thing with grief is when you open the portal to grief, whatever's still in there, which by the way, like it's in there till I die. Like I'm always going to be healing grief at some point. It opens up the portal and it becomes really big. So I took the day, I canceled my day. I really took the time to nurture myself, to be in my heart, to be in my body. And then there was a part of me that just said, like, universe, like, you obviously don't want me to publish this book. She had the raw files on her computer. I couldn't even imagine how I was going to get the book as a final version on Amazon. I couldn't figure it. I couldn't, my head couldn't wrap around that. But I also wasn't thinking clearly. I checked with my team briefly, but we were all in grief, so we couldn't process it. And the next morning I woke up and I said, okay, I can do this. I'm resourceful. I can figure this out. And um, I know Danya would want me to publish this book and she would be championing me. And this book is truly a dedication to her and a legacy to the work that the beautiful work that she did in the past and probably her last, her last project, this would have been her last project. So the book got published and it it's, it's like, I'm going to still say it's complicated. Of course, I'm really proud of the book. I'm proud of each version of me that was reflected in that book, you know, from the little girl who somehow had the resilience to put one foot in front of the other, as all children do when they learn to walk, the little girl who was knocked to the ground by her father's hand across her face and got up the little girl who, you know, lost everything in a bankruptcy and four businesses at the same time and somehow recovered. I'm really proud of those, those parts of me that are reflected in the book. I'm proud of the work that went into it, the patience that it took. I'm obviously super proud of like the physical book. And yet there's a part of me that's still grieving. And, um, you know, that's just going to take a while and I can still celebrate. Like I'm, I'm very good at, at, um, recognizing that we are all made up of many thousands of parts. So there's a part of me here in my heart that is grieving. And then there's a part of me that's really excited. I did it. It's done and it's done well and, and it's getting received well. And I don't know where it's going to go. I don't have expectations, like I said, but holy cow, number one bestseller in three categories in 24 hours blew me away. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. It's, it must feel some bittersweet because you, you're having this uh, amazing success as you deserve, but yet you lost somebody who, is a key factor for this. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised you haven't broken down. You know, it's, you know, you know, kudos to you. You're a strong, talented, amazing woman. Um, It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. And I do have breakdowns and the breakdowns are always the breakthroughs. Right. Instead of pushing down the emotions, not letting them come to the surface, getting myself busy, distracting. I listen to myself. This is what the whole book is around. How do we bring loving presence to our pain? And I have a formula in the book and it's pain times resistance equals suffering. Mm. We all have pain. But the amount of resistance that we bring to our pain amplifies the amount of suffering. 
So instead, the alternative formula is pain times loving presence equals freedom. Hence the call to freedom, heal your pain, awaken your loving presence. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm. When you, besides your, your publisher and like, did your daughter read it? Mm. My my kids have not read it yet. So I have a 25-year-old daughter. She's now 25. My son is 16. The book is also dedicated to each of them. They're my greatest teachers, as I hope every parent recognizes yes. that value in their children. Yes, yes. Um, I dedicate it to my daughter for being the first, my first experience of fully unconditional love. I dedicate it to my son for showing me the power of forgiveness. And I also dedicate it to my daughter's fiance, who I call my third child which they think is really weird, um, <laughs> but he's been in my life for eight years. And he's a young man who grew up with Tourette's syndrome. When I met him, he had like severe, severe vocal tics that was all the swearing that you never want your younger child who's seven at the time to hear. Wow. And, um, and he has overcome so much and he's a very successful businessman on his own rights. He's a video content creator and, and um, uh, he does amazing work and he talks about it now. And he, I dedicated to him for the amount, um, what did I say exactly? I think it's for the, 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 his truth. Like he's always sat in his truth, even when he had this pretty difficult disability called Tourette's that let people literally stand up and move away from him in a public place because they, as if he was contagious or something, like it was really awful. And he's just this incredible, giving, generous, kind, super smart, accomplished man who's marrying my daughter. Like, I couldn't be more happy. And um, so I dedicated to him for his truth. I dedicated to all of what I call the spiritual gurus who did to me what they had to do so that I could learn what I had to learn. I dedicated to everybody who's shown me the pathway to love. And then I dedicated to Danya and say, may her soul rest in love. So... It's been um, it's been a journey for sure, writing this book, and it had to be exactly the way it was. It had to unfold exactly the way it was. I had to go through everything I did. And I'll share a little bit about the final chapter, chapter 13. Um, I went to L.A. recently at the Best You Expo, and I did a pre-launch there and did a few talk, talks on stage and stuff. And um, I always talk about chapter 13. And so now I have chapter 13 super fans who I don't think they're ever going to read the rest of the book, but they're going to read <laughs> chapter 13. Because in chapter 13, after going through everything that I went through, I talk about in chapter 12, how we integrate healing and the pathway to integration and that it's a lifelong journey. And then in chapter 13, the chapter is called You Are Me, Lovingly Disguised as You. Wow. And it's this understanding. And Neil Donald Walsh had a very simple quote. And he talks about how Neil Donald Walsh is the author of Conversations with God. There's five series. He talks about how we are all fingers on the same hand. And a little while ago, you said, like, we're all interconnected. That's so true. So chapter 13 is where I bring it all back to this interconnectedness that if I hurt, others hurt. If they hurt, I hurt. We cannot separate that. And we have to be responsible for ourselves so that we can be responsible for each other. So I start with this story in chapter 13, where it was April 21st, 2021, 1.30 in the morning, I was in a deep sleep. And my 
almost 14 year old woke me up and he asked me three questions. And the first question was, mom, when is life going to go back to normal? Well, you've just heard my story. I yeah. said to him, but, but life's going to go back to normal for some people, but it can never go back to normal for us. We get to create our new normal. He seemed okay with that. His second question was, what is the meaning of life? Wow, that's a big <laughs> one. <laughs> that's a big one. But I know the answer to that because I'm, re- I'm a neuroscience geek. I teach personal development from a science perspective and spiritual development from a science connect perspective. So I blend spirituality and, and science really strongly together in the work that I do. The meaning of life is whatever you create of it. If you think you have a crummy life, you have a crummy life. If you think life is beautiful, life is beautiful. So Very it truly true. is whatever you yes. give. His third question was the big one. He said, why are we here? And he meant the big question, like, what's our purpose here? I knew that answer too. And I'm going to share it right now with your audience. You don't have to go read chapter 13. I'm going to tell you. And it's because I'm a yoga teacher trainer. I have a teacher training academy. I teach the Bhagavad Gita, which is an ancient yogic text. And in the text, it's 17 chapters. And this guru God representation is called Krishna. And Krishna is the charioteer. He's running, he's driving the chariot. And his cousin and friend is called Arjuna. And Arjuna is on the cusp of a battle fighting for his integrity, his family, his property, but he's fighting against family. And then there's family behind him that he's defending. And his role is to be the warrior. And he falls in the chariot. And for 17 chapters, he begs Krishna, the God representation, to tell him what to do. And Krishna just kind of like, oh, silly guy, like, don't make it so hard. You do whatever you want to do, but do the right thing. And he constantly goes back and forth and tells him this. And in the very end, it's a great story, by the way. In the very end, he says, whatever you do, do it because you love me. Mm. From the perspective that I study and teach, which is the ancient tantric philosophy from the the, um, really back to the Vedic periods, like thousands and thousands of years old. The belief is, and I firmly believe that we're all here to love and love is our purpose. Love has to be our purpose. And then we get to decide how we distribute that into the world. How do you want to show up with love? How do you want to be the conduit for love? How do you want to serve from love? And you can do that any way you can. You can do it as a podcaster. You can do it as an author. You can do it as a parent. You can do it as an engineer. You can do it as a teacher. If you're doing it from love and with love, then we're all living our purpose. And so when he said to me at 1.30 in the morning, why are we here? I knew that. We're here to love, buddy. And if it's not feeling like a place of love, then go inside, not outside. Go inside and figure out what's blocking you from remembering, from recognizing, and from being the love that you are. Amen to that. Hmm. Amen to that. Love trumps all reasons. Amen to that. Mm. So ending on that positive note, uh, (laughs) please let the... Let everybody know where they can find you at. Yeah, thank you very much. So my website is dianalockett.com. Uh, if you do backslash book, you'll get the link to my book. I believe it's the Canadian link, though. So if you want to, if you're in the U.S. or anywhere else in the world, um, on your local Amazon, The Call to Freedom, Heal Your Pain, Awaken Your Loving Presence. It's all over the place now. It's also 
I believe that as of today, uploaded in um, Barnes and Nobles and other places where you get your books. And the Audible just got released today. I'm just actually listening to it before we got on this call to make sure it all sounds good. It's not my voice. My recording didn't work out, but it's a lovely voice and a voice that's very close to mine. So like I found someone who sounded very similar. So the Audible's available. Um, my Facebook is dm.locket. I have a Facebook group that's called The Call to Freedom. So it's a private group. And in that group, I'm going to be doing monthly masterclasses based on each chapter of the book. So we're going to look at, like I've got a ch an entire chapter on how parents raise people pleasers who cannot find boundaries. There's a whole chapter on that. We're going to have a whole conversation about that. Wow, so I'm that's a good one. That's a good it one. is a good one. You know, I have a, a chapter on grief. I have a chapter on um, boundaries, grief, uh, relationships, like so much is in there. There's so I can't even believe how much is in that book. And um, what's really great is people are saying to me, it's so easy to read. And so, uh, you know, part of the book was channeled through me. Like I didn't have to think or work hard to write it. I simply had to listen to the inspiration to sit down and write. And when I didn't have that, I could not write. So there's a part of it that was truly channeled through me. Um, Instagram, Diana Lockett Coach, and LinkedIn is the other place you'll find me because I do conscious communication leadership consulting, which simply means that I go into corporations, education, and healthcare, and I help people to become more conscious in their leadership roles. And by the way, we are all leaders. The question is, what are you leading? And are you a leader who really can be kind and conscious? Guys, there you there you have it. Uh, go support her. Go get her book. You know, go DM her. Go go support her in any way possible. Uh, thank you for joining me. This is uh, this has truly been uh, a life changing experience for me. Uh, not just because your story, but you know, my wife is named Diana. You know, oh, as I well. Love it. So it's so many. You know, speaking to you just uh, brings so much light. You know, I see her within you. You remind me her is hearing your story. Uh, it's truly amazing. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, guys, and have a good night.